Welcome to the Beards and Bible Podcast, the podcast that brings together a love for good beer and Bible discussion. You can find us on Instagram at beers and Bible underscore, and on Twitter at beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. In the words of the reformer Martin Luther, whoever drinks beer, he is quick to sleep. Whoever sleeps long does not sin. Whoever does not sin enters heaven. Thus let us drink beer. So let's join our hosts Rick and Patrick for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 24 of the Beers and Bible Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Patrick, and I am your other host, Rick, and we are happy to be back with you today in your ear canals. Rick, it is 2020. 2020 what? Yeah. Hey, guess who doesn't have 2020 vision? Me. Either of us. Blind as a bat. But hey, yes. look, listen, Rick, did you have any uh, resolutions or goals for 2020 that you've already uh, broken broken, or failed or given up on? All, all of them. Actually, my resolution was to not make any resolutions, which I did. So I'm upholding all of my resolutions. That feels like cheating. <laughs> Probably is, but I don't care. <laughs> But that's how I roll. Yeah. Anyway, so how about you? Um, yeah, I haven't done great on any of the things that I was wanting to do. So, shocker on that I one. Mean, <laughs> par for the course. Yeah, right? I know. <laughs> so, anyway, um, so tonight we've got an interesting situation for ourselves. Yes. Um, yes. So, due to some things that have happened in Rick's life. Um, we don't have the same beer. <laughs> We've had some changes. So we took off the month of January and, and we needed a break. Um, not really from the podcast. We actually kind of wanted to keep doing it, but we, uh, both of us just had some busy schedules happening at the, at the end of December and turn of the year. So we decided to take off and, and we're not skipping anything or really changing anything. But over the course of that time, uh, we just had some changes go on. And, and, um, uh, so now we are separate a little bit and and so we've we've done the remote thing before but now we're just remoting from different locations and the and we don't we can't go shopping for beer together anymore yeah we're in the same it's much area it's much more difficult to do that yes so so we're probably going to end up with for the next few episodes at least uh we're probably going to end up with different beers each week but on the positive side that means you're going to have more beer reviews from the beers and bible podcast yes each episode will have two reviews from one from each of us yes until we figure out if we how we want to keep doing it so um <laughs> and there might be an opportunity where Rick or myself reviews a beer and then the other one of us can find it. Where That's they true. Are. That that is a possibility. I'm not counting my chickens before they're hatched on that. <laughs> um I'm not We're just gonna see how it goes. But anyway, so um Rick, do you want to go first? Sure. So up for tonight I have and and I actually bought this one because of the name. 
Um, it's called Florida Cracker, and it is from Cigar City Brewing in Tampa, Florida. Okay. And it is described as a Belgian-style white ale brewed with coriander and orange peel. So I'm not really sure sure what's going to go on with this thing. It's got an IBU of 15 and a 5.5% uh, ABV. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, I mean, this it, it looks fun. The the bo- the can is actually really fun. It's it's got like stencil drawings of all kind of animals. It looks like South Florida with the the cows and stuff on it. Yeah, people don't think cows live in Florida, but cows totally live in Florida. <laughs> There's a lot of farming that happens in Florida. Florida is more than Disney World, folks. Florida Disney is World Disney is a swamp. <laughs> And some other things, but yeah. you know that's neither here nor there. <clears throat> so, which uh, which beer do you have for tonight? So, um, I went back to, or we, yeah, I went back to a brewery that we've had before. Um, yes, Creature Comforts out of Athens, oh, Georgia. Um, they're the ones that we had the classic city lager that uh, you and I both good. both enjoyed. I have bought yes. that one a couple of times. I have too. It might be the only one that I've intentionally bought a couple of times, like gone to the store to get specifically that one. Mm -hmm. Um, But tonight I have got the Tropicalia IPA from Creature Comforts. Um, On the can, the can is looks kind of like a beach scene. Mm. I don't know if you can see that there, but it's like the blue, the water, and then kind of kind of sky looking stuff. Ripe and juicy, aromatic and blend and balanced is what it says on the can. Um, ABV of six point six percent. Brewed in Canada, Athens, Georgia. Just kind of a kind of a simple can. I am a huge fan of IPAs. Um, we have a couple of listeners that I know are huge fans of IPAs. Mm-hmm. So so they. I imagine one of them, our old friend Benny Hinn, has probably had this one. <laughs> if I was a betting, if Hinn. I was a betting man, I would say he he has had this one. He's, but he's had that one. It's mm-hmm. possible, but um, it's possible. So I guess well, let's crack our cans open. Yeah. So and see what happens here. So here we go. One, two, three. Oh, I'll never, I'll never miss that sound. That is, or I'll always miss that. Sound. That is a strong smelling beer on my on my side. Mine's mine's kind of tame. I, it smells good, but it's just not uh it's not loud and strong. I may have I may have stumbled across another good one here. So you remember my uh, my toy that I brought over to y'all's house? Um, yes, before I you left, I may or may not be using it right now. <laughs> I can hear it going in the background. <laughs> so for you, oh gosh. So for you uh, draft beer guys, there's this, a contraption on Amazon that you can order. And um, it can turn basically any beer you want into a draft, draft beer. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, a lot, it's a lot of fun. I, I don't know how how different the uh, actual draft beer experience is, but um, 
I've got a lot of foam on mine. I didn't do it right. <laughs> but well, here we go. I'm going to dive in. Yeah, your foam settles I'm, down. I'm going to go ahead and see what, <laughs> see what happens. So, see what happens. Yeah. Here we go. Bottoms up. So this is going to be totally ironic. But that actually reminds me of the classic city locker. Hmm. Like, it's really it's it's really close. The creature comforts classic city logger. That's interesting. So, um, you would not like the beer that I'm having at all. <laughs> it is pretty bitter. It is. I don't know if I'd go mighty banyan bitter. Mm-hmm. What was that other bitter one that we had? Cotillion. Mm. Was Cotillion I think bitter? It was co- I don't remember. There was another bitter one that we had toward the end of the year. Oh. You know, you remember what I'm talking about? What was the name of that one? I do remember which one you're talking about. Because to me, it was actually a little surprising. Yeah. But I felt like it was a little more bitter than what the IBUs let on. Yes, I remember that one. Yep. Was It, it was either Hot Gun or Hop Dang Diggity. Could have been either one of those. I think. But anyway, so this one is... Um, the Tropicalia is a pretty bitter beer. Okay. But it, um, ooh, excuse me. Mm-hmm. But it, my initial reaction was like, that's almost Mighty Banyan, but it's not that bitter. Yeah. Um, but it's good. I, I enjoy it, but I like bitter beers. And you, you, and you, you like them. And you don't. Like, you can't stand them. <laughs> so I can preemptively this is true. say you'd probably rate this one like two Luther Max. Two Luther, wow, two Luther Max. So, I'll I'll go on my this one. Like this reminds me of the classic city lager. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really good. It's it's easy. This is a great summertime ale, um, and great flavor. I mean, I, I, if I'm have, if I'm gonna have to rate it real fast, I'm gonna give it a four all the way. Wow, that um, is that's impressive. You are not optimistic about your beer choices. When we were texting, yeah, when we were texting this week, trying to figure out what we were going to do, <laughs> your words were, "I'm pretty sure there's no good beer here." Yeah. So, so I am now in a place that does not have uh, the selection that that used to that I used to be accustomed to, and uh, I see a few things. I see a few things that are that are similar, but I think we've already done a lot of them. Like one of them was the Sweetwater 420 stuff. We've done a lot of that. And, we're, and we always try to steer clear of the anything big and national. Yeah. And so here there's just not a lot of like actual small craft beer selections. And I don't know why. I guess I guess because it's just terrible here. Either either we're not a good market for beer or people don't drink beer here, but I do. So you can I'm gonna change, go you can hunt. change the market. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go and I'm going to open a store and I'm going to do sell nothing but all of the crazy craft beer that I can find. That's what I'm going to do. I'll come help. <laughs> It'll be fun. So, so man, I'm going to. So you're giving. So what was the name of that one? It's called Florida Cracker. Florida Cracker. <laughs> the name was kind of funny. Uh, Cigar City Brewing. Um, and it's good. man. This is a good beer. This really is. I'm going to give it four Luthers because it's it's refreshing. 
It's got a great flavor. It's not heavy. Mm-hmm. It's not bitter. Uh, you know, anything that's not bitter, I'm gonna I'm gonna rate higher anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, but it's just a it's just an all around, and it really like it really does remind me of the classic city lager. So I'm kind of glad I found it because I may have a, at least a suitable replacement for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's exciting. I'm I'm gonna yes. ha- I'm gonna have to be looking for that one in yeah. in my neck of the woods. Um. So I'm gonna give Tropicalia. From Creature Comforts, I think I'm going to give it four Luthers as well. Um, this is just my personal preference. It's a little more bitter, but it's still got a smooth taste. Um, the texture is really, really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, uh, I don't know, it's just its just a good solid beer. I could see myself eating this or drinking this with uh, dinner. Um mm-hmm. I would consider maybe ordering it if I was out okay. at a restaurant or something. That's that's a pretty high high praise yeah. praise for I mean, a beer. Um, pretty much, I think we can say like four and higher is something that we would definitely order in a restaurant. Like if we went there and they had it on tap, or if they didn't have tap and they had it in a can or in a bottle, I would order that if it's a four or higher. Yeah, that's that's you a know. good measuring stick. Three to three and a half is I might order it if I you know if I really want one. Three or something to three and a half, half. Three to three and a half is I would order it if there's not a four. Yeah. <laughs> anything un- anything under three, we're going to try not to touch. Yeah, not ordering in public. Might occasionally go get a free one if somebody gives it to us at a party, but that's pretty much yeah. it. <laughs> but but hey, we each gave our in- different beers four out of five Luth- five Luthers. Um, yes. And I think that, I don't know if that says anything about us or, or what, but uh, maybe it means we both pick out good beers that we like. We're able to pick out good beers now. Well, full disclosure, my wife picked this one out. Yeah, but that means she knows what kind of beer you like. I think she, Which is a positive. I think she might have just got it because of the can. <laughs> the can was pretty. <laughs> she just gave me a look, so. <laughs> she did not do that, apparently. She was not aware that I, it was being used for the podcast. That's her defense. Oh, okay. And she does like it. <laughs> We're having a conversation about, about what I just said, so. <laughs> and she just did, like, the backhand across her hand and things, so. Cool. <laughs> nice. Now I'm in trouble, so. <laughs> I would say you can come sleep on my couch, but that's not really a possibility anymore. <laughs> no, that's not, that's not feasible, so. Anyway, so back to back to what we were talking about. <laughs> back to the podcast. Here we are. I feel like we're the Babylon be there for a second where they like get distracted and go off on a little tangent. That's all right. So, so all right. So we've reviewed our beer. That's our beers. Yeah, we were we've reviewed we have reviewed our beer. We got Florida Cracker from Cigar City Brewing, and we have Tropicalia from Creature Comforts. Creature Comforts. Creature Comfort. Each coming in at four out of five Luthers. Four Luthers from Rick on his and four Luthers from Patrick on his. And now we're going to move. We're going to keep going in Concise Theology. We're picking up where our, where we left off. We kind of left off at the uh, virgin birth. And so we're going to spend the next few weeks, months, possibly years, talking about the person and work of Jesus in J.I. Packer's Concise Theology.
Okay, welcome back. We are going back into Concise Theology, and tonight we are going to pick up on the person and work of Jesus, and we're going to talk about Jesus as a teacher and Jesus's sinlessness. That's a fun word to say, Jesus's sinlessness. That's a lot of S's. Yeah, when I was when I was typing up the notes earlier, um, I had to think through sinlessness a few times. So yes. I was right, sinless, knowing there was more to write, but not really knowing where to go from here. <laughs> Real quick, um, yes. are we ever going to finish Concise Theology? <laughs> we will after the 2024 presidential election. Oh, dear. <laughs> I hope it doesn't take that long. No, I don't think we I, I think we'll be done in the next six months. Okay. I think that's okay. L- listeners, so we, you heard it here first. Six months. Six months, we're going to try to be done. That's not we a guarantee, gotta, though. we got to start booking it. So That's not a so, guarantee. So, tonight, we're going to talk uh, teacher and sinlessness. <laughs> teacher and sinlessness. So, when we talk about Jesus as being a teacher, um, really really and truly, we, it taps, this taps into one of his, what you could call his threefold uh, role or threefold function. Uh, as prophet, priest, and king. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is going to fall into the prophet section uh, of Jesus, and and really, in and in some areas, this being a teacher is really going to fall into all of them because he's going to teach about himself being the Messiah, and and so mm-hmm. that that really puts him into that uh, priest and king section as well. He's mm-hmm. he's going to yeah. bring those in together, but. But when we think about Jesus and and him being a teacher, we Packer says that that Jesus is proclaimed. He proclaimed God's kingdom and he proclaimed God's family. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can, I mean, if you've ever read the Gospels, you see this. I mean, through the parables and through Jesus, Jesus's disciples and his relationships, he's always pointing people to uh, to the kingdom of God, and he's trying to help people understand the kingdom of God. You know, that's why he teaches in parables. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, uh, one of the things that, that Packer, the verse that kind of, that Packer brings out is Matthew seven twenty eight and 29, when it says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught with one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. Mm-hmm. And this is something that, that is consistent through all of the gospels. People are kind of amazed when Jesus teaches. It's like, uh, you know, he's memorized the Bible kind of like he's God. What? Yeah. I mean, I I kind of, not to dumb it down, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's like, it's like, it's like being, if you were a football player and, or let's, let's not even do that. Let's say you're a fan of football Mm -hmm. and the best player in the history of ever came up to a crowd of people. Mm -hmm. Of course, that would be, that's a different thing. Never mind, my analogy is not going to work. Think, think about it like this: if if you're studying a textbook for a chemistry class, and then a guy walks in and starts talking about the book that you're studying, and you're like, "Man, this guy knows this book really well," and then you find out that it's the author of the book, the guy who actually wrote the textbook. Yeah, or girl, your your, you know. your analogy is much better than mine. <laughs> That, I mean, that's essentially, and, and, but you, but you hear, and then when you realize who he is, when you realize, uh, you know, what that person has done, mm-hmm. you go, oh, this guy knows exactly what he's talking about. And, you know, and also and, you're going to be more inclined to go, maybe I should pay attention to what he's saying. Exactly. And 
not try to understand things on my on my own. Yeah. Um, Which, as you read the Gospels, you find out that's what the Gentiles do, while the Jews think they know better. Mm-hmm. They go they go and try to do their own thing. Yeah. So, so you have that now. Now, Packer's going to break this down, and we're going to talk kind of hit some of the subpoints that Packer talks about. Um, the first one is that Jesus is the son of God incarnate and his teaching given to him by the father will stand forever and ultimately judge its hearers. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the, the main thing we need to pull from that is that, um, Jesus being son of God incarnate means we should probably pay attention to what he's teaching. We should. It's a good idea. Yeah. I mean, he, in, in the Gospels, he taught in a similar way to the rabbis in that, um, you know, with bits and pieces rather than, like, these full-flowing, um, long um, discourses. Mm-hmm. But he also spoke with an authority that they had never heard before. I know we already talked about yeah. that a little bit, but when someone speaks with authority, you're more inclined to listen. You're more, you're yes. more inclined to, to follow them. And, and really trust that they know what they're talking about. If someone yes. kind of comes in sheepishly and says, "Oh, well, maybe I should do this," if he talks like that, like there ain't no way that I would follow someone like that. Yeah, it, it reminds me of the OK commercials, like the oh, the eighteen C commercials. It's just, yeah, <laughs> it's just not. It's just okay. You know? Do you know the Bible? Oh, I I know it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I'm not listening to you then. Yeah. <laughs> you would hope that your preacher knows the Bible pretty well, like better yes. than okay. Yes. And Jesus, you would hope and, that. and Jesus being the author of the Bible, yeah. <laughs> he knew, he knew it pretty, pretty, pretty certain he knew it, knew it pretty well. Yeah. Um, so, so you have that, you have the, the way that Jesus taught and, and Jesus did. So he taught in, in little sections, but he, he's also been known to go, go on for, you know, hours and hours and days and days, but he would, he's right. He would do it in these little kind of chunks Mm -hmm. and people would just kind of like, they would hear these chunks. And when you get a good teacher, like you all, you just want to sit there and listen to them. Mm -hmm. And so you end up with stories like the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000 where Jesus is teaching. And then he, he realizes he's like, Oh, um, so it's dinner time. And we've been going at this for like six or seven hours. Does anybody have any food? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so you would end up with this, the way that he taught, he did teach in little chunks. And if you, and you can see that when you study like the Sermon on the Mount. So the Sermon on the Mount is this big, long sermon that is taking up, you know, a long amount of time, but it's done in little sections. Yeah, it's, he teaches. it's not a full flowing, like themed sermon. Yeah. It's not a six part series with, with matching graphics. Yeah. It's, you know, he's, he's giving you nugget and he teaches that nugget and then he moves on to the next nugget and he teaches and, that nugget and he moves and on the to the nuggets next nugget. may or may not be part of the same happy meal. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you might have a chicken nugget. You might have a steak nugget. Who knows? But, uh, but you, when we talk about his discourses and we talk about, um, the, what he taught, mm-hmm. then we have to get into the reason that he taught. Mm-hmm. And and Packer gives us this twofold reason. What's that twofold reason that Packer gives us? Okay, so Jesus, when he taught, he's dropping hints about his messianic role, the atonement, um, his resurrection, his forthcoming reign when he returns. Um, mm-hmm. 
and, and there's and there's two reasons that Jesus only dropped hints and he didn't fully explain like I don't know how to put it, but he didn't speak in not parables all the time. So, so there's yes. the reason that he spoke in parables. The only events could make only events could make what he was talking about clear anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he speaks a parable, and then something happens, and then everyone's like, "Oh, that's what Jesus was talking about when he talked about this parable back then." And then. Um, Jesus's major concern, his main concern, was to call people into discipleship through his personal impact on them. I think of Lazarus. You know, Lazarus is this guy that he loves and he cares about. And when he hears that Lazarus, his friend Lazarus has died, he weeps for him. And then, so, but then, I'm not done. Hold on. Okay. So, <laughs> and then, and, but then, you know, he goes and raises him. How much more impactful was Jesus in Lazarus' life? After he resurrected him. Yes. So, so here, here's something funny. I'm glad you brought up Lazarus. Because this really hits at the, the point of Jesus' teaching. Which the point of Jesus' teaching is always to point people to the kingdom of God. It's always mm-hmm. to point people to the kingdom of God. So if you go read John chapter 11. Okay. Pay attention to where the verse Jesus wept falls in the story. Okay. If you get if you go read John chapter eleven, the very beginning of the of the verse, Jesus finds out that that Lazarus has died, and and he says to his disciples, you know, uh, we're, it actually says that, that Lazarus is ill, and Jesus says, oh, well, we're going to stay here for two more days. Now, let me let me preface the the way this conversation goes. If you got a call that your wife was in a traumatic car wreck. And is being life flighted to the hospital. Somebody calls you and says that. What is your response to that phone call? Um, I'm dropping whatever it is I'm doing, and immediately I like beating the helicopter there. Yes, yes, that is that's our natural response. Well, if you read in John chapter 11, it says that Jesus told his disciples, "Okay, well, let's just stay here for two more days then." Lazarus is ill. He's probably going to die. Let's just hang out here for two more days. That'll be fine. And his disciples are like, Jesus, you're crazy. This is your best friend. This is Lazarus. You need to go be with him. You need to heal him. You need to do something. And it says it says that it joy, it gave Jesus joy to, to basically stay away from Lazarus. And then you go on through the story, and then you get to where he raises him at the end of John chapter 11. And so uh, at that point where he raises him, that's where it says Jesus wept. So, for Jesus, the death of Lazarus, the physical death of Lazarus brought him joy Mm -hmm. because he knew where Lazarus was. Mm. And then he brings him back from the dead. He has to call him back from where he was, which is in glory, back to the earth. That causes him to weep because Christ understands what's on the other side. Yeah. Of glory, and and that's that discipleship mentality. Though is is it's always looking for the best for people. It's always looking for to teach somebody something and to and to help somebody understand something. And that is that mentality that Jesus always taught his disciples with. Mm. I was like, hey, you know, when I when I've I've read that story so many times, and and then I read that, and I, I was reading some some notes and listening to some teaching on it. And I was like, 
that makes absolute sense that you know jesus didn't weep because lazarus died jesus wept because he had to bring him back from heaven yeah <laughs> and i'm sure lazarus was like yeah seeing my family is cool and all but i was but in heaven, heaven. <laughs> so um but, yes. but anyway that's a little diatribe yeah. that's a little diatribe that's the the kind of proves the point of of what a teacher should be and and, and you think of a teacher as like a discipler you know mm-hmm. and 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 discipleship should always be looking to push somebody to to be better in in all sorts of areas yeah. not just memorizing bible verses and and you know uh reading books and quoting you know being able to quote I, I mean a disciple is simply just a learner like you could be a disciple of literally anything yes so yes. so you know if you're an expert in something, you should be discipling someone else should, to be an expert in that thing. In that thing, yeah. And that's where, and that's that's what I've said for for a long time is that churches need to understand that discipleship is not just about Bible study. Mm-hmm. It's not just Bible study. If you have a, a a man in your church or a person in your church who is excellent and gifted at you know business or marketing or whatever it is, man, bring that person in and let people learn who want to learn that. Yeah, you know, let them go and learn. Mm-hmm. And and that person can because the the reality is that's a talent that God has gifted that person with. If somebody's mm-hmm. really good at business, God has gifted them with that. Let them use that talent to teach other people how to be you know better at business. Maybe yeah. there's some teenagers who want to learn. Maybe there's uh, you know a man in your church who's thinking about starting his own business and he needs to learn from somebody, but he can't afford classes. Yeah, um, you know, and so so that you know you end up with that mentality of discipleship, which is. What can I help people learn, and then how can I glorify God through yeah. this, this, this learning, you know, or this ability that God has given me? Mm-hmm. So, kind of changes your mentality on discipleship and teaching all around when you think of it that way. Yeah, I think it's. A, I think you've, you know, when you disciple people, whether it's in in scripture or prayer or, or something in the secular world, like you're going to build a relationship with them. It's going to last longer than than you you even realize, but I also think the spiritual. If it's a secular thing that you're discipling them in, as a believer, the spiritual will follow. Exactly, like exactly. the spiritual will come out when they ask, you know, why do you run your business this way? And you say, well, because mm-hmm. I'm a follower of Jesus, and yeah, and and this is what I believe. You know how I should run my business based on Scripture, and then and then you can have that conversation. You know, discipleship doesn't have to be. Solely just like spiritual, no, no, and and I mean it's it's definitely foundational in that it definitely mm-hmm. you know there there's going to become an area uh, or become a time when when that's going to come up uh, if you're if you're doing discipleship right that's mm-hmm. going to come up, um, but but it doesn't every single conversation doesn't have to be you know how many times did you sin this week and you need to confess and 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 did you memorize your verses? No. Well, you're a terrible person. Yeah. I, I think you know. I think you and I have both been part of discipleship groups that were like that. <laughs> I have been. I have been for sure. Not 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 saying that the, those are not beneficial, but no. At the end of the day, like well, at, at the end of the day, if that's all you do, you're an accountability group. You're not a discipleship yeah. group. You know, and, and, and accountability groups are great and they're, and they're a good thing, but, but don't, 
don't, don't mistake don't, accountability don't, for discipleship. Yeah, and I think we talked about that at some point. It's possible. It's or possible. maybe that was in my discipleship group. <laughs> <laughs> Who, but, knows? Who knows? Anyway, so um, when Jesus is teaching, um, we're going to move on now. We've kind of we've sat here for we, a minute. We got on that one for yeah, a little yeah, bit. So, so when Jesus teaches, he has these three regular points of reference um, that he is... Who he is addressing um, in in his teaching? So uh, yes. he's teach his his he's referencing his divine father, who sent Jesus and then directs Jesus in his earthly ministry. So every step that Jesus takes, you know, from the time his ministry begins to his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross, death, burial, and resurrection, I guess, um, is directed by God. Um, so, um, Jesus' disciples, they had to learn to relate to Jesus' father as their father. They had yes. to, they had to realize that they have become followers of Jesus. They've been adopted into the family of God. You're right there. Yeah. I just lost my can. Okay. It's fine. So, but they've been adopted into the family of God. Jesus' father is their father. Yes. Um, and then... Jesus also references, um, or he has a point of reference to people, individuals and crowds in their lostness, in their sinfulness, in their depravity, even. And Jesus pleads with people to repent and live a new life. And we'll talk a little bit about a new life when we get to sinlessness here in a few minutes. What other points of reference did he have? Um, so he's got the people, he's got his divine father, and then he talks really about him himself as the son of man. And, um, this one, the son of man thing is, is a really prominent theme in the gospel of John specifically. Um, he refers to, he does refer to himself as as the son of man in other gospels, but, but you really, um, you really get the, you talk about, we've talked about the two natures of Christ. You get both of those presented in just a real cl- crystal clear cut picture uh, in the Gospel of John, where where certain things are done to to show that Jesus is one hundred percent fully human, and then certain things are done to show that Jesus is one hundred percent fully God. Mm-hmm. You know the the miracles um, point to point to his divinity, and then his his relationships and his earthly action and and his growth and his you know the crucifixion and all of that points to his his humanity that he was a person uh, a person in history who who came and lived on earth just like just like us because his physicalness is going to be uh fundamental for for when we talk about his sinlessness because he has to have a hundred percent human nature in him otherwise he's not you know he's not man and he can't die for man you know it's uh God, God does die for man, but it's God in man's form. You know, it's, 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 and the word became flesh. And so God becomes flesh and that's how he is able to be the penalty for sins. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so these, these three points of reference also tie into the three theological themes that Jesus, uh, the, the, portray jesus's teaching ministry mm-hmm. yeah. um and i and i'll highlight them i'll highlight them real quick and we'll come back and hit on each one but you've got the three theological themes that he's always always kind of 
coming down to are the kingdom of God, the saving work uh, that Jesus does, and then and then ethical teachings. Yeah. Um. So talk just a little bit about the kingdom of God. Yeah. So um, when you talk when you talk about the kingdom of God, it's this understanding that Jesus came as the fulfillment of God's plan for history. Um, from the very beginning, Jesus was always the plan from God knew when he created Adam yeah. because he knows everything like we've talked about that even before that, from he, eternity I mean, past. From, I mean, but he knew as he was picking the dirt out of the ground, he was like, Jesus is going to have to come and live a sinless life and die a death he doesn't deserve yes. because of this man I'm about to make. Exactly. Um, and so... Jesus coming is kind of the fulfillment of God's plan. Um, God's kingdom is present with Jesus. That is evident in um, Jesus's miracles. When Jesus is mm-hmm. performing miracles, that's showing that the kingdom of God is present with him. Um, yes. And then also uh, the kingdom of God becomes real when a sinner submits in faith to Jesus. It's, it's, I mean, not that it's like it doesn't exist, mm-hmm. not real, but when you come to know Jesus, the excuse me, the experience of the kingdom of God becomes a much more real thing for you. Yes, yeah, that is a very all millennial statement. I'm just going to point throw that out there, a little eschatology bomb for Benny Hinn. Uh, <laughs> Uh, because, well, and, and the reason I say like Jesus ruling and reigning in a person's heart and in a person's life is, is that, that manifestation of the kingdom of God. And we are all supposed to be almost like, um, uh, diplomats. Think of, think of, uh, a diplomat, you know, they're, they're representing the country that they're from Mm -hmm. in a foreign country. Yeah. They're not a citizen of that country that they're in. They have no relation to that country they're in, but they're in that country as a representation of their home country. So for those of us who are submitted to the rule and to the reign of Jesus Christ, he's ruling in our lives. He's the Lord of our lives. We are to be like a diplomat to the world around us, representing the kingdom of God. Mm. You know, it's because this home is not our home. You know, we're, we're residents of the kingdom of God. Or citizens of the kingdom of God. King, yes. And we just happen to live in wherever it is we live. Yeah. On earth. And and you know, and, and what that does is is it gives you a different mentality of really everyone around you, you know. But it should also give us a different mentality of where we are. We you know, realize that, you know, whatever country you live in, that country is not your ultimate allegiance. You know, yeah. that's you know, be a good citizen, be a responsible citizen, because that's what the Bible teaches us to be. Yeah. But don't let that citizenry or patriotism to that country override your your obligations to the kingdom of God, because mm-hmm. those are that's your ultimate citizenry. Yeah, it's to the kingdom of God. Yeah, that's a that's a dangerous conversation to have when you start talking about a- patriotism. <laughs> I've, I've asked the question, you know, if. I mean, we, I mean, we live in the United States. That's not a secret. So, yeah. if the United States ceased to exist tomorrow, what would our faith in Jesus change at all? Yeah, and, and, and it shouldn't. And it shouldn't. And that, but that's got. It's a gut check for a lot of people. Wouldn't you yeah. say it like that? Because yeah. they're like, well, I'm a, especially military people or or yeah. families from from that are long lines of veterans. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to take any away from, anything away from those guys and gals, but if our country ceased to exist tomorrow, Jesus is Jesus still reigns. Yes. Yeah. So and we have to and we have to treat it that way, mm-hmm. and we have to treat other people that way. Yeah. And that's the hard part is is you know especially uh, in a, in America you know you have the whole immigration debate, mm-hmm. and and I'm not here to to throw out an agenda for immigration but i think that it that it has to be thought about seriously um you know what do we do with people who are at our at our borders or or at our doors or even inside of our country yeah whether they're here legally or illegally what do we do with them how do we deal with them in a kingdom-minded fashion right you know um because ultimately that's what that's the way we need to view every person mm-hmm. is how do we deal with this person in a kingdom minded fashion. Yeah. So Bre- So that's the kingdom of God. Hey, Did you, you no, want to add no, something no, real quick? Um Yes. So I, I think I've mentioned it on this on the podcast before. Brett McCracken's book, Uncomfortable, touched on touches on that very yeah. immigration discussion really, really well and it was really eye opening for myself. Um I haven't just, read that, but just, it's on my reading list. Just kind of um it, it, the the question doesn't necessarily have to do with like immigration, but uh, the refugee situation. Yeah. So, like, if, yeah. if a refugee shows up at your door, what do you do? Yeah. And what's the more Jesus-like thing to do? Yeah. And that when I read that, I was like, I don't know if I can answer that. Well, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. You know. So and. and you know, and, and I can I can attack and defend both sides of the argument. We're not going to get into that now, but no. both sides have pros and cons, yeah. and you have to you have to weigh weigh between them. So, anyway, so let's move on from the kingdom of God to the saving work of Jesus. Um, and this one, I mean, this one's really simple. This is the whole purpose that Jesus came is to to purchase salvation for all of mankind. Mm-hmm. Um, he he is sent down. He's the one who is sent by the Father for the for the forgiveness of sin and and he is the one who keeps us and and keeps us safe and and what we would call uh the perseverance of the saints uh those who are in Christ are preserved until until the final judgment uh and their resur- and their final resurrection and glorification so so and, and we're going to I'm I'm hitting this one real fast because we're going to talk a little bit more about it when we get to sinlessness mm-hmm. but let's let's go on to the ethics of God's family yeah. which is this kind of third thing that Packer yeah. talks about. So um when you come into God's family um you're given this new life that's a gift um comes as a gift of God's grace but your new life must be expressed in a new lifestyle. Um, you can't claim to be a follower of Jesus and continue to live the way that you did before you knew Jesus. Yes. Um, does that mean that you're going to be perfect? No. Does that mean you're going to screw up on the reg? Yes, you're going to screw up all the time. <laughs> but it shouldn't. It, being a follower of Jesus doesn't give you a, a pass to to do whatever you want, whatever you want, however you want. Um, yeah. Packer kind of broke it down, and I Packer broke it down, and I really liked how he, he put this. He says, um, "If you live by grace, you need to practice gratitude. If you've been greatly loved, you need to show love to others. If you're mm-hmm. going to live by being forgiven, you are you're also required to forgive, um, and then you also accept God's providences and His provision without bitterness." I think that yeah. one was really kind of a 
kind of a big one for me to wrap my head around because a lot of times, like, not that I'm bitter towards God, but I'm like, God, are you sure that's how you want to do that? Can you do the, yeah. this other way that makes a lot more sense to my my huge ego or mind or however you want to put it. Um, but I have to remember that God's ways aren't my ways. God's plans aren't my plans. Um, and my straight line may not be part of God's plan. God's plan might involve a lot of twists and turns. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when we talk about, when we really talk about the ethics of God, we're, we are, we get to this debate of, of, Where's the relationship between faith and works? Um, we know that we are justified by faith alone. Um, our salvation rests in faith alone. Um, but, but we also say at the, at the same time that while our justification is in, is in faith alone, we're justified by faith alone. That faith must produce good works. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's faith, what, if you've ever read works is dead, is dead. Yeah. If you've ever read the book of James, that's that's basically his point is is you show me your works and I'll show you your faith. Mm-hmm. You know, it's and and he's he's writing this to people who are like, you know, well, we think we have faith. We're not, you know, um how do we know we have? Well, you show me your works and I'll show you your faith because your faith is going to produce good works. Right. Um and and in in theological circles a lot of people some people call this and, and there's a lot of people who don't like the term but they call it lordship salvation. Um which which is it's not it's not really, uh, it, it doesn't go against justification by faith alone, but it says that, that, you know, on this earth, it's almost like a test. It's on this earth, you know, well, how do we know if somebody is justified or how can we try to say that somebody is justified? And you say, well, you look at their works, you look at mm-hmm. uh, how they live their life yeah. and, and do they represent Christ? Do their, do their actions, do the works that they do in their life represent Christ? Because yeah. if, if somebody says, oh, I profess Christ when I was seven years old and I'm going to go out um, partying and drinking and smoking and having sex and all this kind of stuff that, that we would say, yeah, I don't think that you're, you know, you're, you're not living a lifestyle of moderation. You're not living a lifestyle of, of self-discipline mm-hmm. and self-control. And so your actions don't show me that you're living under the Lordship of Christ. You know, you're, 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 you're cussing worse than, than a sailor on, you know, in the Navy versus versus somebody who is you know who says man you know what ah, i messed that up i i let it slip and i was angry at the moment and i shouldn't have it and i asked for you know somebody who's who's characterized by a life of faith mm-hmm. and and works that point to their faith yeah you know it's not the works that save it's not the works that generate salvation but your salvation generates the works yeah and, and i think the you're you touch on it right there at the end when you're talking about like forgiveness or uh, confessing or, or however it's if you are truly a believer of Jesus you cannot sin and feel good about it yes, you can't exactly. you, you have to confess you have to repent and, and if you're I would, I would have to argue that if you're claiming to be a follower of Jesus but don't feel remorse or shame when you sin mm-hmm. then I'm I would have to question your the legitimacy of your salvation at that point. Um, yeah, I mean, you need it's, to check it's, yourself yeah. before you wreck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not my place to judge you, and only that, I mean, your salvation is between you and God. But at the same time, you can't claim to be one thing and live like you're another. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. 
So, yep. Speaking of so, speaking of claiming to be one thing and living living that way, let's talk about the sinlessness of Jesus. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so sinlessness. Jesus Christ was entirely free from sin. Uh, the verse Packer uses is First Peter two twenty two. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. Um, the New Testament insists on the sinlessness of Jesus, and not just as like, not did he, not that he. It's not that he just didn't disobey God. It's that he found joy in keeping God's law. He delighted mm-hmm. in um, keeping God's law and keeping the commandments. Um, but on the flip side of that coin. We're not Jesus, and keeping yeah. God's law doesn't necessarily bring us joy. Yes, so because um, we have a heart of we have a heart of stone, right? You know, that's we're we're born with a sinful nature, um, and and Jesus was the only one, and and I I really like the way that that Wayne Grudem has put this. Um, it's it's kind of tough to think about. You know, you ask the question: Could Jesus have sinned? And, and I mean, you have to say, well, it's possible philosophically that he could have sinned because he was 100% man, but it's also not possible for him to sin because he's 100% God. Yeah. And so in the world of theology, we call this the impeccability of Christ. Right. You know, he was, he was not able to sin. He had his divinity. He had, he had all of the humanity he had all the human ability to sin but the divine nature of him wouldn't allow it yes yeah Pre- and so completely prevented him from sin yeah and so the way that the way that Wayne Grudem says it is he says think about it like yeah a catcher and then you have a backstop um you know the if the catcher is is Jesus's humanity then the backstop is his divinity um, not that anything would ever get past the, the catcher, you know, a pitch would never get past the catcher, but, but if, if something happened and it did, the backstop is there, right? you know? And so, and like I said, that's, that's a, that's not, no analogy works when you, when you talk about God, but, but that's kind of the idea of in, even in his, his humanity, he did not sin and he could not sin, mm-hmm. but his divinity was the reason that he could not sin. Right. It was, it was not anything in, in Jesus's humanity that yes. prevented him from sinning. It was the 100% God part portion portion of his hypostatic union. Yes. <laughs> that I, I was hesitant toward that without being, yeah. without committing heresy. Um, yes. That's partialism. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, so when we when we talk about the the impeccability or the sinlessness of Christ, it's mm-hmm. it's important for us to remember a few things, and 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 one of these things is we are not Christ. We don't have the a hundred percent divinity within us, like like Jesus did. Mm-hmm. So. We're going to mess up now. Now there is a there is a stream. Um, I I would call them heretics who who believe in perfectionism. That like once you are once you are a professed believer that you can live a perfect lifestyle, never sinning after your after your conversion, and you can be perfect. You can be perfect. 
Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to go there because, you know, if, if, if that was a possibility, then there would be a record of it some point, sometime. And well, there's not, Yeah, nobody was perfect. I mean, you, you look at guys like Paul, I mean, you, if you're going to be perfect, then you're going to say you're better than the guy who wrote two thirds of the new Testament. Yeah. And, and I just, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to say that, that I'm that person because right. I know what a wretched person I am. So, yeah. um, but, uh, but Jesus in his more, in his nature was, was a lot like he was akin to Adam. Um, and so what Adam destroyed, it took Jesus, which they, that's why they call Jesus the second Adam. Mm-hmm. It took Jesus to, to fulfill. Yeah. And so that's what that's what brings about the salvation is the sinlessness or the impeccability yeah. uh, of Christ, and and then because of that, his impeccability, his sinlessness is necessary for our salvation. Right. If um, if he isn't sinless, his death is not sufficient. Exactly. The blood is not sufficient to to atone for the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And and the you know the key the key there is is look at the Passover. The Passover had to be a perfect lamb. It had to be you know watched for so many days. It had to be this and there's all these things that had to go through mm-hmm. uh, in order to assure that it was a perfect lamb. That's what Jesus had to be. He had to be the perfect sacrifice. Yeah. And then you also look at his active obedience in his death and the death, burial, resurrection on the cross. I keep saying it that way. Death on the cross, burial, and resurrection. There you go. Gosh. <laughs> um, but, you know, his active obedience qualifies him to be our savior. Yes. Um, Shylin has a great song called Active Obedience. You keep bringing up Shylin. <laughs> I keep forgetting to listen to him. One of these days you'll you'll go listen to Shylin. One day. He's a great he's a great rapper and and he he has he's does theology in his raps and it's awesome. Just just so, so just so our listeners are aware, a thirty six year old white man just said a man is a great rapper. Ow. In my book he is. And I'm thirty seven. Oh, my bad. Thirty seven. Oh. Let's get that right. My bad. I was giving you the benefit of the doubt, bro. You were. So. Oh well. So there we have, there's Jesus as teacher and Jesus' as sinlessness. Uh, the first in a series of the person and work of Jesus that we're going to be going through, finishing out part two of Packer. One day. Any other thoughts? Um, no. Okay. There we go. My yeah. beer was good. Yeah. I had a good one. My beer we was We both gave ours fours. Yeah. We got Florida Cracker. And, and we got Tropicalia. Tropicalia. Tropicalia is an IPA, in case anyone was. There you go. Curious. So, um, if our listeners want to find us on the socials, on the socials, on Instagram, we would be beers and Bible underscore mm-hmm. on the Twitter. We are beers and Bible P one mm-hmm. on the emails. We are beers and Bible podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And on the Facebook, we are beers and Bible podcast. Yes. Should be able to find us there. Yes. And we'll try to be more active. We we know we say that every time. And every time I feel like we don't do anything. We don't ever do anything. So, but we will start interacting, um, share comments, questions, concerns, criticisms, beer suggestions. We'll take those. Yes. Um, I don't know. 
how useful that would be for either of us based on based on where the suggestions come from we'll tr- but we'll try to find it we'll try to find it. hey if we can find it we'll try to find it yes we can so, so or yes we will but yes we will but all right anyway, so have a good week yeah we've enjoyed our discussion we hope you have enjoyed it as well and uh, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the beers and bible podcast peace out see you you enjoy what you hear on beers and bible Please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. 